Well, I am so glad that you are all here with us. Sam, my name's Jeremy. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, especially those of you who are first time with us or new here, thank you so much. There's a lot of things you could have done in this beautiful weekend, but you chose to be here with us, so we are honored by that and glad to have you here with us. If you have your Bibles here with you today, would you turn to John chapter 6? Uh, we're beginning a new series, but before we do that, wow, uh, I've been hearing so much good feedback about what happened during the Seek series and in the prayer groups. Um, and it was so incredible what happened when a church decided we were going to get together and we were going to fast and pray for 21 days and gather together in groups. And like, it just continues to pour in people talking about healings, jobs they provided, uh, wisdom for decisions they had to make. And this is a cool one. Yesterday morning, it's, it actually sounds really bad, so understand the story gets better. But yesterday morning, um, one of the people that was leading a group, they'd been praying for over 30 years for their father to come to know Jesus and to decide to follow him. And it's something for more than 30 years they've been praying this for their dad. And um, they had made that one of the things they were really seeking after during this fast and everybody else in the group was. And I got a text from them yesterday morning when I woke up, looked at my phone and saw that he had passed away uh, that night. And so I was just, you know, I texted him back like, hey, I'm so sorry, you know, we're praying for you for comfort and peace. And then later that afternoon I got a call and they said, hey, we got to tell you this uh, a couple days ago. My dad's barber came to his house to give him a haircut, and as they were just talking, he was sharing about Jesus' love for him, and he made a decision to follow Jesus right there a couple days before he passed away. So, so they're like, we're filled with joy. We're, we're so sad that he's gone, but we're so glad that God answered this prayer. Like, now how come I've been sharing with 30 years of gospel, and some barber just comes up, and in one moment, but that's just the way God works. And so they're saying, we're sad that he's gone, but there's just more joy than we've ever known in the last 30 years, knowing that he's in heaven and that we will be with him someday. So praying and fasting works, people. And for those of you who haven't seen the answer that you've been seeking after, continue to pray, continue to fast, because the things that God puts on our hearts are so big and they're so important that it's worth praying 30 years for if we have to do that. So be encouraged. Uh, continue to send me the stories. I love reading about what God's doing, and, uh, and it's awesome. But today, we're beginning a new series called It Is Written. Now, when we were talking about prayer during the Seek series, that was us primarily talking to God and learning to seek after him and encounter his presence that way. But the number one way that I hear from God is through reading the Bible. And when I read the Bible, it is something that has completely changed my life. I can tell, if you ask me, what are the, as a preacher, what are the top 10 sermons you've ever heard that have impacted your life the most? I have no idea. I mean, that's discouraging for me, but it's true. If you feel like you can't remember my top 10, don't worry, because I can't remember my top one. But I can, re I can pull out 10 Bible verses that have changed my life forever. I could tell you 100 Bible verses that have changed my life forever. Because when I open up the Bible, it's alive to me. And that's what I hope to be able to do in the next month. If you guys will stick with it, if you will be here every week for the next four weeks, uh, I think that we can completely transform the way that you see the Bible and the way that you hear God speak to you. And in fact, I think you will find that the Bible comes alive to you. Now, some of you might be saying, the Bible comes alive to me. That will be far-fetched. And I can understand that because I used to be in your place. To me, the Bible used to be a very boring, dry book that I really didn't enjoy reading. I did it because my parents made me do it as a part of my daily routine. Uh, but for me, it's all like a love song. 
If you guys ever, you know, you guys have a love song, right? There's some song that it's you and your, your significant other have or some song that came alive to you when you were a kid. For me, it was The Rose. You guys remember the Bette Midler tune, The Rose? Now, I, was, I think I was in fifth grade. We had a choir class, and that was one of the songs we had to sing every single day was The Rose because, it, you know, the teacher listened to it, and she'd tear up at her desk, and I'm sitting there as a fifth grade boy, like, what is this? I, it didn't make any sense to me. What do you mean love is like a river that's drowning reeds and razors cutting hearts? Like, this is stupid. It was just a boring, dry, confusing song. I didn't understand how anybody could like it. But then one day, I met Emily Andrews. And from the moment I gazed upon her beauty, that song made sense. All of a sudden, the rose came alive to me. I was like, oh my gosh, I totally understand how love drowns the tender reed. There's an, an endless hunger inside of me that's aching. And so I would sit there, and I remember I was trying to work up the courage to go talk to her, and I had my little CD player, and I, they had det uh, detachable speakers, so I'd lay on the floor and put one on each side of my head, and I'd just put on repeat and just listen to the rose over and over again. <laughs> and like my heart was just like pounding as I would listen to it. And finally, what happened was this song gave me the courage to go up to, well, not go up to her, to write a note that said, will you go out with me, circle yes, no, or maybe, and then have her friend Sarah hand it to her. <laughs> that was all inspired by the rose. But not only did that song give me courage to step out and to make that bold move, because I knew, like, hey, man, love's got to take a chance. And then it taught me how to love her. When she circled yes, and I got that back, and it gave me full rights to sit next to her at lunch and walk next to her at recess. I was like, this song now is not only teaching me to have courage to take the chance to love someone, but now I'm learning how to love her through this song. And for two whole weeks, I loved Emily Andrews with all of my heart. And when we mutually decided that she should dump me two weeks later, that song got me through that breakup too. When I felt like there was nothing left to live for, that I would never love again, that line, that it was like the seed under the snow, that the sun is going to come again, and it will become a rose. And I was like, thank you, Bette Midler. <laughs> what happened? That was a dry, dull song that meant nothing to me whatsoever, and all of a sudden, it's become alive to me. It's changing the way that I live. It's encouraging me to do things I never would have done. It's teaching me how to do things that I never would have done, and then it's giving me the comfort, the support, and the strength to get back up on my feet again when my world's falling apart. This song changed my world. As cheesy and stupid as it sounds, and my friends, they didn't understand it either. They're all looking at me like, why are you listening to the rose on the floor of your room at our sleepover with little tears streaming down your eye? <laughs> like, get over it, man. She has cooties anyways. <laughs> you guys just don't understand. Because they could sit there and listen to the same heavenly voice of Bette Midler that I was hearing and not be moved by it. And there was a time when I wasn't moved by it either. But when that song came alive to me, everything changed. And I think the Bible is the same way for us. It was the same way for me. 
It was something that I remember the only parts of the Bible I liked to read was, uh, I like some of Joshua because there's some good battles in there. And then I like Judges because it's lots of battles in First and Second Kings. There was way more violence and adultery in that than my parents would ever let me watch on TV. So, you know, I'd be like reading through these three to four books of the Bible over and over again. The preacher would be up there preaching. I have no idea what he's saying. I'm reading about David. And that was all I read, but it was really just a historical document for me. If anything, there was some parts in it that like, yeah, Jesus had some good things to say, some good ethics in there about how we were supposed to live our life, but there was no joy for me reading it. It wasn't really changing who I was. It wasn't changing the way that I lived my life. I wasn't excited about reading it. But then one day, just like that song, the Bible became alive to me. And when the Bible became alive, everything about my life changed. I began to know who it was that I was created to be. It went from having a relationship with God that was nothing more than an, a, a mental ascent that, okay, yeah, God, I believe that you are God and that you have, you know, like these rules I'm supposed to follow and stuff like that. That was my relationship with God. And I went to hearing God speak to me. I began to know how great his love and his affection were for me. As I'm reading through it, I'm discovering the plan that he has for my life. It's filling me with courage. It's, it's transforming the way that I'm interacting with other people. It's transforming the identity that I have. Everything about my life changed when the Bible became alive to me. And I know this, everything in your life can change if the Bible becomes alive to you. Everything. And it continues to come more and more alive to me. There's never a place you get to where you've received everything you can receive from the Bible. You continue to learn and to grow. You read the same verses a hundred times and God continues to reveal new things to you as you do it. That's one of my favorite things. I do the yearly reading plan every year, so I read the Bible in a year. And I'm always like, I've read this how many times now? (sighs) I want to skim through it and just get through this, but every time I just sit down, I open up my Bible, God reveals new things to me. New things about who I am, who he is, his love, his affection, his plan, my destiny. God continues to speak to me through his scripture. And God can do the same thing through you. And that's something that I really want for you guys through this series. And that's why it's so important. Stick with me through this. Uh, Be open to what it is I'm going to teach you through this. And it will transform your life. Just like spending 21 days praying and fasting transformed your life. If you'll stick with us for this month, the Bible is going to completely change who you are. Well, if you are in the place right now where you you don't read the Bible a whole lot, you might be like how I used to be, uh, don't feel alone. I don't want you to feel bad about that right now because the truth is that's the way that most churchgoers are. I found these stats this week. Only, it's less than 20% of people that attend church every week read their Bible every day. Uh, That was lower than I thought. 26% read it at least twice a week. 14% read their Bible once a week. 22% of the people attend a church every week read their Bible once a month, and 18% of the people that attend church every week never read their Bible. And I'm not saying this to shame you, I'm saying this because, guys, you're not alone. If you find yourself right now in that place where the Bible's kind of dead and it isn't bringing life to you, you're not alone. It doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person, it doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. It just means that we have to get to that place where scripture becomes alive to you and then it becomes a passion of yours and it becomes a delight to dig in and see what it is that God has for you. And I think the number one reason why we struggle with having the Bible come alive to us and for it to change our lives is because we don't understand what scripture really is. And so in John chapter 6, verse 63, This is the only verse I'm going to have you turn to this week. It's short. It says this, 
The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. So the words that we find in the Bible, not just the words that Jesus spoke, but all of the words are inspired by the Holy Spirit using human authors to write it down. But all of these words are words from God to us. And he says that his words aren't like our words. His words are spirit and they're life. That's what your Bible is. And the word spirit, it's actually a pretty bad translation because we don't have an English word for the word pneuma in Greek. And what the word pneuma means is it means a breath that proceeds from the mouth of God. But it means more than just a breath. It also means that there's power in that breath to bring about the result which God intends. So the words that God speaks aren't just words, they also have the power contained inside of them to make what he's saying happen. His words are spirit. That means that they have the power attached to them to transform your life. How was it that God created the world? It says that he spoke. The pneuma proceeded from God. And not only did he speak light, but when he spoke, let there be light, there was power to make light happen. When he created the land, he said, let there be land. And there was land. He didn't have to shape things or figure it out or build it or chisel things. His words have power so great inside of them that it completely transforms whatever it is that he speaks. And that's the same thing for me too. I remember reading the verse one day that we are more than conquerors. That isn't just God saying this like a motivational thing for you. When he says to you that you are more than a conqueror, the power to make you more than a conqueror is attached to the words that he speaks. When he said that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, it means that the power to make us able to do all things was attached to the word that he spoke. His words are powerful. They have the ability to accomplish things. It says that when God speaks, the words never return to him void, but they accomplish everything for which they were sent out to accomplish. And it also says that his words are alive. And how did Jesus define life? He said life is this. It's knowing God the Father and the Christ who he sent. These words actually bring us life because when we read them, we get to know God the Father and we get to know Jesus. So these words that are in the Bible, there's so much more than just ink on a page. They are, by definition, life. And when you allow these words to come inside of you, they have the power attached to them to transform you and to accomplish everything that you read about. What happens a lot of times is we read the Bible, and you say, boy, I wish that could be true in my life, but I don't feel like I'm a conqueror. I don't feel like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But all you have to do is to receive what it is that God's spoken over you to allow that power to work inside of you and it will transform you. See, God's words are more than informational. They are transformational. They will completely change the way that you live. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 4. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the attitudes and the thoughts of our heart. These words, it, I love how some people say, the, the, the Bible is the only book that reads you. When you read scripture, what happens is those words get inside of you. And God begins to show you what it is that he's called you to in life. Have you guys ever been reading your Bible and some verse just jumps out at your heart? 
and it becomes alive to you in that moment, every single word, every single scripture that God speaks in there has the ability to do that inside of you. You guys think, come on, what about the, the genealogies? Well, even in the genealogies, when you research into those, you see that God used some pretty messed up people to do some pretty amazing things. If God can use them, then he can use me. That's what's good about reading genealogies. Sometimes go back and look them up. Or infectious skin diseases. That's a hard one. What's God trying to speak to me when I'm reading about infectious skin diseases in Leviticus? Well, if God could heal their skin, he can heal my heart. He can heal my skin too if I get an infectious skin disease. Thank Jesus for that. But let's try to avoid those in general. But these words are active. They're alive. They become like that song. And so I'm asking you guys, do you have that song in your life that became alive to you at some point? When, the, when you started having you know, those crushes on people when you were little and the love songs became alive, has the scripture become alive to you in that kind of way? If it hasn't, it might be because you didn't recognize what scripture is. You didn't recognize that it's the breath of God with the power of God attached to it. You might not have recognized that it was life itself. But if you begin to view scripture this way, when you begin to know what scripture is, then you open yourself up to receive all that it has for you. And so here are some ways that we can really make the Bible come alive to us. Is number one, faith activates the word. Now, it's entirely possible for one person to read one verse and to have their life completely changed by it, think, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. What a great word God has spoken to me in this. And someone else can read it and be like, I don't get it. You guys ever had that someone like walk out of church and like, that was such a great message. And you're like, what are you talking about? That was maybe the worst message I've ever heard. It's because faith was attached to it. It says this in Hebrews chapter 4. And Paul's speaking here and he says, For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. See, what Paul's talking about is we have heard the gospel preached to us and it's had power to change us because we have bent our knee to Jesus and said, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the one who saves me. I'm going to follow after you for all the days of my life. But someone else heard that same message of Jesus' salvation for them and they were like, mm, yeah, no. And they didn't follow it and so their lives weren't changed. How is it that two people can hear the same thing but have two totally different responses? Paul says, that the missing ingredient for those whose lives weren't changed was faith. The reason why our lives have been changed by the gospel is because when we heard it, we responded with faith. And we said, I'm going to put my faith, my trust, and my belief in Jesus. And the people whose lives aren't changed, they aren't changed because they didn't attach faith to the message that they heard. The message is good. The message can change everybody's life. But whether we attach faith to it or not, is what determines if it actually will change us. And it's the same for us in all scripture that we approach. Is we have to approach the Bible and all of the words of God and we have to say, I'm going to believe this. I'm going to put my faith in this. And that's very difficult because there are a lot of passages where it's uh, confusing and you don't understand what's going on there and it might go against culturally what you've been raised to believe or to accept. It goes against the human nature. And if you don't attach faith to what it is that God says, it will never change your life. See, what I've discovered a lot of times with commands of God that I don't understand, like, why does God want me to do this? The understanding doesn't come until I submit myself and become obedient to it. And then once I become obedient to what God's called me to do, then the understanding comes after that. 
but without the obedience, a lot of times there will be no understanding. So if you want scripture to change your life and to become alive to you, you have to approach it from the standpoint of faith, is I am going to put my faith and my trust in what scripture says, and when you do that, the word becomes activated to you. And you might be saying, well, I don't have a lot of faith. How do I get faith so that I can be able to do that and allow the word to change me? Well, number two is revelation activates faith. Now, there are two words for the word word that we're talking about, which is one of the funny things about Greek. And the first one is logos. And that means the written or the spoken word. So what we're doing is we're picking up scripture and we're reading our Bibles. That's the written word of God. But then there's something called the rhema word of God. And what that means is the revealed word. That means that you might have read a scripture before and you read it but nothing really happened when you read it but then you read it another time and there was revelation. God spoke to you about what this verse means. It came alive to you and then that activated faith inside of you. See, for my wife and I, if someone were to say Jeremy Dale, that'd be a logos thing, a spoken or written word and you're like, okay, Jeremy Dale. But if my wife says it, Jeremy Dale, now there's some rhema. <laughs> For me, there's some revealed, that verse has come alive. There's been a revelation of her intent, her attitude, her emotion towards me. And it's the same as we come to Scripture. Like You guys are all familiar with the story of Jesus and his birth. Even if you've never been in church before, you've probably heard about you know, the angel appearing to Mary and telling her that she's going to have a baby. And in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 34, it gives us this two different um, ideas of the word word. It says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? You know, the angel said, You're going to have a baby and he's going to be God. And she's like, How can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born and will be called Holy, the Son of God. For no word, that's rhema, a revelation from God, will ever fail. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, what happened for Mary is the angel said, You're going to have a baby. He's going to be God. That was logos for her. It was something that she heard spoken to her, but there wasn't any revelation inside of that. And then the angel explains it to her, what's going to happen, and then there's rhema for her. Now she's like, oh, now I understand. I'm going to be obedient. As at that moment, she's like, no faith. I can't have a baby. I'm a virgin. To all of a sudden, oh, I'm a virgin, but I'm going to have a baby. There's been a significant, I mean, there's some faith when you believe that. And it's all because of the rhema revelation from God. She heard it one time. It was just logos. And then she heard it again, and it was rhema. And it changed her life and it put faith inside of her and made the words of God come alive to her. And it was like this for me. I remember when I was young and I had made a decision to follow Jesus and I believed that he was my salvation. I knew that he loved me because I had read those verses, but I didn't really have a revelation of God's love for me. And then one day I read that God demonstrated his love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. And I had read that verse before. It had been logos to me before. But this one time, I read it, and it became rhema to me. And I said, God, that's how you love me. 
You love me so much. Here I've been trying to make myself worthy of your love. There's been this big block in my relationship with you because I keep feeling this distance from you because I think I have to get better. I have to make myself presentable to you somehow so I'm worthy of this love. But then God brought, he brought life into me. He said, no, you don't understand. You don't have to make yourself presentable before me. You don't have to earn my love. I loved you so much. I died for you even when you were unlovable. I loved you when you didn't love me. That became alive inside of me. That changed the way that I lived because it went from logos to rhema. It went from something that was just written to something that was revealed to me and it built faith inside of me to trust that God, I am a loved son. I am cherished. I am holy. I have the righteousness of Christ and I am 100% sure and convicted of this because I know that when I was so far from you, when I was living as an enemy of the cross, you love me so much that you laid your life down for me. And I remember the verse in Romans, there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, there's no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because for so long I felt like, why is it I keep sinning? Even though I've made the decision to follow Jesus and I want to live a life that's pleasing to him, but I keep sinning, God must hate me, he must think I'm a terrible person because he died on the cross for me and I can't even overcome these small things. And then reading this verse reminded me, you know what, I don't have to live with condemnation, I don't have to live with guilt, and I don't have to live with shame on my life. I'm not happy about the fact that I continue to sin here and there, but I need to know that I don't have to feel condemned because Jesus took my condemnation on himself on the cross. And every time I try to pull condemnation and guilt and shame back on me, it's like I'm saying, Jesus, what you did wasn't enough. I'm trying to take it back off the cross to put it on myself. And you know how much freedom it brought me when I had that revelation? I don't have to live with guilt and shame anymore. It's been completely removed from me because I am in Christ Jesus. That rhema, that revelation from God changed my life. It came alive to me and I'm not the same person anymore because of that. So how do you get revelation? Well, uh, number three, meditation activates revelation. In Joshua verse, or sorry, Joshua chapter one, verses seven through eight, it says, "Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it." Now, that word "meditate" uh, is also the word that we get "ruminate" from. And uh, I grew up on a, a hobby goat farm, which, if you're new here, it's a weird enough thing. You'll hear lots of stories about it in the future. But goats are stupid animals, and uh, one of the things that they do that's so disgusting is, you know, they're out there and they're eating and they're not in a big hurry to eat. They just see some grass and they're just like, and they just chew it real slow. They're not in a hurry. They're goats. They don't have any plans. They sit there and they swallow it and they eat a little bit more and they swallow it. And then they'll go back in the barn and they regurgitate it back up into their mouth and continue to chew it. And they'll swallow it, regurgitate it back up chew it some more. And the smell is terrible. <laughs> I can't even, don't milk a goat when it's chewing its cud. You, uh, if you learn one thing from me today, take that with you. <laughs> but um, what, that's what I was talking about. That's the idea of meditation. You read scripture and don't just blow through it. Don't just try to read through it really fast. Eat it slow. Chew on it. When you're laying in bed at night, bring it back to your mind. 
Think about what it is that God's speaking to you. And then the next morning when you wake up, pull it back out again. What was that that I read yesterday? Meditate on it. Chew through it once again. And as you do that, God is going to bring revelation to you. I am 100% sure of that. And then the, the scripture in Joshua ends up by saying this. Then you will be prosperous and you will be successful. When you meditate on God's word so that you can keep it, you will be prosperous and successful. And not in the way that our culture views prosperity and success, but in the way that we prosper and the way of success in the kingdom. It means that when you do these things, it means that your family is going to be stronger. It's going to mean that you have a relationship with God where you know his presence, where you hear his voice speaking to you, where you know his plans and his purposes for your life, when you know the destiny that you've been called to. When you live in this way, the scripture becomes alive to you and you will be used by God as a missionary in your family, in your workplace, in your circle of friends, wherever it is that you go, strengthened and empowered, filled with the Holy Spirit to do all of the things that God's called you to do. You won't have to live with doubt. You won't have to live with fear. You won't have to live with the questions that keep you up at night that can't be answered. But you'll be able to live with a confidence in who God is and His goodness and a faith that He is leading you into the fullness of His plans and His purposes as you are obedient and submit yourself to Him. How would that change your life if the Scripture became alive to you? How would that change our church if we were a church, a group of people who gather together and daily we're pouring into God's word and we're seeking after him, we're allowing him to speak to us, to redefine how we view ourselves, to redefine how we view him, to redefine our purposes in life, the things that he's called us to do, the way that we measure success, the way that we look at other people and love them and demonstrate God's love and mercy and compassion. What would happen in our city if we lived that way? It wouldn't just be us that changes, it would be our city. And if our city changed, our state could change, and our country could change, and this entire world could change if we were a group of people who were passionate about seeking after God and allowing the scripture to become alive and active inside of us. And here's what I'm going to challenge you guys to today. Uh, we have these cards that we made up, and it's a reading plan. It's a 24-week read through the New Testament. And some of you, that might seem like a lot. So I checked it out last night. It took me uh, a little under four minutes to read the first day's reading. So it won't take a lot of time. Uh, you could read through the New Testament in a half a year if you just committed, let's say, five or six minutes a day to reading. And then don't just read it, but meditate on what it is that God's speaking to you. And so I'm not even saying commit to the entire 24 weeks right now, but can you commit to this next week, doing your reading every day, and mark it off on your little checklist, throw it in your Bible, and next week come back here and you would be in like Matthew chapter 12. And for some of you, that might be more Bible than you have ever read. And for some of you might think, I read the Bible a lot, but let's just do this together. Let's really pour over what it is that God's speaking to us. Let's pray every time before we open up our Bible to say, God, I believe that the Holy Spirit that lives in me is the Holy Spirit that inspired the writing of the scripture so you can bring it alive inside of my life. God, give me faith and give me revelation as I read your scripture. 
And let's see what God does in just one week of doing that. Can you guys commit to that? Yeah. Let's see what happens. And then we'll take another week at a time. We'll take this. We're going to eat the elephant one little bite at a time. And if you guys need a Bible, we have Bibles for you at the information table. Don't leave without grabbing one of those. Or if you don't like the translation that you have, if you don't understand it, uh, we have the New Living Translation out there. It's a very easy to understand translation. So I'd encourage you, grab one of those. If we run out today, we'll have more next week. So don't worry about it. But let's put this to the test. Let's see what's going to happen if God brings this to life inside of us. You guys good? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have spoken to us. And God, we pray for every person here that you would bring the scripture alive to us. That we would hear you speak to our hearts, God. That it would be so much more than ink on paper, but it would be the breath of God spoken inside of us with the power to change our lives. And this morning, if you're here and right now you feel distant from God and maybe you've never even made that decision to follow Jesus, to put your faith in him as your Lord and your Savior, maybe that's talking about that he died for us while we were still sinners and there's no condemnation or guilt or shame for us anymore. Maybe today uh, you haven't been experiencing that love of God. Maybe today you've been living with condemnation, guilt, and shame because of sin and sin causing separation from your Heavenly Father. Today I want you to know that the God who did that in me is the God who can do it in you. And He loves you. He made a way for you to be restored to relationship with Him, to have all of your guilt and shame removed by Jesus on the cross. And it says this, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. So this morning, right where you're at, if you know that you need to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he's removed your sins from you on the cross, that he has made a way for you to know the Father, and that you're willing to submit your life to him as Lord and say, God, the way I have been living isn't working out. I want to live following you. And this morning, just right where you had every eyes closed, you'd be willing to just raise your hand as your way of saying, God, I'm following after you today. I'm making a decision to follow you and your plans and your purposes. I want your forgiveness. I want the removal of condemnation, guilt, and shame. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this together. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending Jesus to the cross to die to remove our sins from us. We put our faith and trust in you. We follow after you. We pray you continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit and that you would bring your life into us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.